Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. What happens when you combine a Land Cruiser with a Lexus? You get the LX, what is it, 570? It is the 570. Is that the Lex Cruiser? The this Lex. is my question. You can have all of the old tech of a Land Cruiser with all of the Predator Maw of the Lexus lineup, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure where we landed. I think it's the Lex Cruiser. It has a peanut butter interior. Peanut butter. My dogs would love that. I'm they sure. Just, they just sit in the back and just lick the seats. Yeah. It also has the sport package. Mm-hmm. The one we're driving has the sport package, but they were clear to make sure and say it's not the F sport package because why would you put the F sport package on an LX570? LX570 F sport. Yeah. No, Can't no, no, you no, no, just no. imagine that? Yeah. So, so the, the entire, you know, the cladding around the car, yeah. the front rear aprons, the rockers. Uh-huh. So it's a different kind of look. It looks lower to the ground, but it looks a little bit odd to my eye. It looks less capable. There's a lot going on More on those like body a, panels. a custom truck kind of thing that will never go off-road, even though it's endlessly capable and can. Of course, yes, of course. So there's no F-Sport badge on this thing. <laughs> and the biggest thing is, for $109,000, excuse me, $106,000. Sorry, yes, okay. There is no Apple CarPlay. Because it's the Land Cruiser. Because it's the Land Cruiser. Yeah. So top, top Lexus, $106,000. Mm. And you don't get CarPlay. Which I'm assuming this also will go away because the Land Cruiser is not going to be here in the U.S. Yes. I'm assuming the LX570 will go away. Which means it's not well. an oversight. It's just a yeah. last hurrah It's, it's the end of that line. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, yeah. But wow, the, mm, the styling. It's with, just with a lot. Maw, it's just a lot. Predator Maw on, that, on something that size. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it will catch things in its teeth. Big time. Big and time. I, mm, it drives like the Land Cruiser. It feels like it could be capable off-road, but then with the low-profile wheels and tires and the body kit, it just it seems like I don't get it. Mm. What? Why? Why does this exist? Well, we just had this conversation, though, about the Toyota Avalon and the Lexus ES mm-hmm. that are the same yes. with different body panels and a price bump for the Lexus because you are a Lexus buyer, not a Toyota buyer. And this is what the LX570 is. And and I'm not taking anything away from the Land Cruiser history or the capability of it off-road, but you're right. It's a weird buy. What will happen, though, this is what happens. Jump five years. Mm. That Land Cruiser Heritage Edition we just drove will probably be the exact same amount that it was the day it was bought. And the LX570 will probably have lost 30% of its value. Well, here's what concerns me is that – the Land Cruiser leaving the U.S. market uh-huh. is now an opportunity in the future for Toyota to make a big fanfare of it's returned. It's that will back. happen. That will probably happen. With some other version of the Land Cruiser, It'll be electric. And therefore, the Lexus too. The coolest thing about the Lexus is the jump seats in the back. When you open the back, they actually drop from the sides, so it's not a third row necessarily. Like That's an think. old Land Cruiser trick. Yeah, it's an old, and it's in the Lexus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is so strange to because me. Because the Heritage Edition didn't have back seats right. as part of their whole Heritage Edition thing. But yeah, right. this, this Lexus has the jump seats, which that Land Cruiser's done that forever, which is, it's, here's the thing. On one level, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And it feels like I'm going on a safari and I have back seats if I need them. I've done this because my father and I had one for years. When you're actually loading stuff, you want to throw those seats out. 
Yeah. You want to leave them in the garage because yeah. they don't fold anywhere but toward the windows. And now you've got two, if you will, hanging suitcases on the side, which is takes away cargo space because they don't <laughs> fold into the floor. And exactly. they don't fold into the floor because the full heavy-duty running gear. There's a lot of trade-offs going here. But, but the value will be in buying that Lexus in a few years because the Land Cruiser will hold its value and the Lexus will be ignored. Although that body kit trying to go off-road, you're just going to catch a rear apron. You're going to catch a corner. You are. You are, but you're going to put different tires on it and give it a lift and and, and then say, look what I took off-road. The Maw is coming for you. I'm taking the Maw to Moab. That's oh, what we're doing. Gosh. The Maw's going to Moab. Oh, no. Every winter, we find ourselves tracking snow, salt, and grime into our cars. Thankfully, Covercraft has a variety of floor mats to keep you winter-proof. Covercraft floor mats and cargo mats are custom-fitted to your exact car and they include the original equipment security grommets, if applicable. They're the perfect and durable way to protect your car's carpet and add style and comfort to your interior. Plus, you can choose from many color and material options to complement or contrast the interior colors of your car or truck. Covercraft is sure to have what you need. They offer plush carpet, Berber carpet, even sheepskin, which is warm in the winter and cool in the summer. Whatever mats you choose, remember to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. We've got a couple of great debates for you. First, from Tom S. in the Netherlands, who's writing to us. He and his wife, Jenny, are moving to California because he's moving for his employer. And we've also got Matt C. in Florida, who writes to us with a debate that's less about the cars and more about his interaction with his dad, Mm. which I find interesting. But he has introduced... I, I was never aware of this kit car manufacturer, and so he's introducing us to it and uh, got a great debate there. But first of all, jumping in with Tom S., he is in the Netherlands. He's, he's been following Everyday Driver for a, a few years now, and thank you, Tom. Really, yeah. really appreciate it. Glad to have you with us, man. I love that the podcast has gotten you thinking about more exciting car choices yeah. and choosing the fun cars over the less interesting cars. Tom put together a PDF with beautifully designed with descriptions of his cars, his past cars and why he owned them. Uh-huh. It's almost like a an automotive diary. It's like a, it's like a brochure. It's it's amazing some of the stuff we get yeah. from you guys. It's crazy. The spreadsheets we've gotten, the cross-reference spreadsheets that it's are like fantastic. smart, change something on this page and it moves on the back page. I mean, some of you people honest and I say this in a very loving way, you have scared me. Okay? But it's awesome. With love. <laughs> but I'll get some of be like Wow, the work that went in. It's astounding. But I love it, though. This is how much we're thinking about cars. It's great. Well, Tom's wife, Jenny, is very supportive of this growing thinking, this mindset. (laughs) Good, good. They live in Harlem in the Netherlands. It is a beautiful old town in between Amsterdam and the North Sea coast. Mm. Tom says the Zandvoort racetrack is the next town over, and he goes to several events there every year with a historic Grand Prix being his favorite annual must-visit event. That's cool. There are plenty of beautiful driving roads in the region that they enjoy touring around in their 2006 BMW Z4 Roadster. Ding, ding, ding. Wait, what? (laughs) Hang on. Yeah, that's cool. And he says he's been keenly following our Cheap Sports Car Challenge. Their daily practical car is another BMW, a 2016 330e. But both of them are soon going because of their move to Long Beach, California. Okay. They're looking at a new car because of this, you know, they've accepted this offer. They're looking around one car to start with, which means this car should be a convertible suitable for daily use with a back seats. He says they can occasionally bring additional passengers. He says they'll get a more practical car, a practical second car later on. Mm-hmm. Keep that sentence in mind. Agreed. Okay? Yeah. 
Since they're planning to make regular road trips and weekend excursions, you got to make it up to Utah, guys. Once you're there, hit us up. Come on out to Utah. Yeah. It should be roomy and comfortable to take on long journeys, still be enough of an enthusiast driver's car that's fun in the canyons. He said, we're not going to push it, but it mm-hmm. should hold its own on twisty roads. Okay. Rear-wheel drive preferred. He'd like it to have some power. And Tom is six foot four, so the car has to provide a comfortable seating position for tall people. Okay. This attracted me, as you know. I see why you connected here, for uh-huh. sure. Tom and his wife, Jenny, both have a background in industrial design and are sticklers for well-designed quality products. Mm-hmm. That's entirely my mindset. Tom I, I can practically leave the room at this point and let you guys talk. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at the brands that they like, they have a most affinity with Alfa Romeo, BMW, Mazda, and Mini. Ginny prefers premium brands like BMW and Mercedes, generally likes Japanese brands such as Honda, Lexus, and Mazda. Volkswagen Group cars do not attract them. Interesting. Golf is their dull equivalent to a Camry in the U.S. Okay. All right. Wow. Okay. He says, while the style and build quality of Audis are very nice, they're a bit boring to drive. And yeah, we're with you. He's had plenty of time to get nerdy. He says they've made an overview of the history, as I mentioned. Browsing around on Auto Tempest, they said they've set the budget at $20,000. Okay. He keeps gravitating to the four-seat BMW convertibles with the six-cylinder. The one and two series might be slightly too small, but he thinks they'll be more fun to drive than the larger three and four series mm-hmm. convertibles. But since they're so calibrated to the European market and BMW specifically, he's probably not thinking of some brands and models that we have in the States that are not available in Europe. Mm-hmm. All the Hellcats. And the TRX Hellcat, by the way, is not available anywhere outside the U.S. So it's it's just, also not a convertible. That's a little bit. It's way out of your budget. It's but, it's, but it's almost worth it anyway. Come yeah, on. It, who cares? Yeah. Over Commute down horsepower? that from Long Beach. Just drive over traffic is what's going to happen <laughs> exactly. there. Yeah. Just saying. So they're curious about what we'd recommend to look at. And also they are asking a little bit about buying and insuring cars in the States. Please share Tom and Jenny, thanks for writing. It's very cool. It's very cool. There's there's a lot of stuff going on here that we're going to have to unpack. The first thing I want to say to you, Tom and Jenny, is <clears throat> traffic. Traffic, uh, traffic, yes, traffic, yes. traffic, traffic, traffic. I can't overstate how much traffic you're going to encounter between Long Beach and really good mountain roads. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I love California. I, I lived there for 14 years. I enjoyed yep. living there. It was the impetus for the show. It has some of the best driving roads, I would argue, in the world. Yeah. yeah. Los Angeles is a quagmire for cars, okay? <laughs> and, and honestly, you could leave Long Beach, and you could easily spend 90 minutes getting to a canyon road. For sure. Yeah. So what you're going to have to calibrate yourself for is if you want to go on a fun drive, take that convertible at a weird off hour. And sometimes, look, I've been sitting still on a freeway in Los Angeles at 3 o'clock in the morning because that's when they do road work. <laughs> so it, it, you can be sitting still at times that are in, they're inexplicable to you. I think I blocked that out of my mind. You did. It happened on a shoot. It's yeah. happened to me a lot. Yeah. It happened, well, it happened on a shoot. We right. got on the radio. We're like, of course. Of course this is happening uh, now. Yeah. You know. Anyway, so that's the thing is uh, it's, it's, if you're going to travel anywhere around – commute-ish hours. And in normal places, it's like an hour. In LA, it's like any time between 9 and about, I don't know, 10.30. But then the lunch thing starts at 11. Oh, yeah. And then that goes till about 2, 3-ish. And then real traffic starts at about 3.30 or 4 and goes to about 8. 
So where do I really drive when the freeways are? It's just, it's, I, I, I can't, I know right. I'm beating on it, but I can't overstate. I don't want you to wind up in Long Beach and be like, let's go to the canyons and not be braced. <laughs> okay? Fair warning. Yes. Matt Farah leaves at like 3 or 4 in the morning, maybe 5 at the latest from where he lives mm-hmm. in Venice to get to the canyons on the northern end of L.A. before anybody's there. He avoids yeah. traffic. And then he hangs out there most of the day and goes back like mid-afternoon. Yeah, you got to really plan differently. So yeah. that I've overstated, kind of. <laughs> Tom and Jenny, you can approach this entire move without expectation that your initial purchase will be your forever car. Also, get ready for dramatically lower gas prices in comparison to what you're used to, about half the cost. I actually looked. Netherlands has the U.S. dollar equivalent per gallon of $7.75 a gallon. Yeah, it's going to be... Yeah, half to a third. It's going to be about half in in California. California has higher prices. Yeah, for sure. I love your two-series convertible idea. This is an excellent choice. It's probably the top choice for you. Okay. You guys know BMWs. You've had a lot of them in your life. You've got two of them. You know BMWs. So in that sense, with all the madness of not just moving, but you're moving to a different country, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's a safe choice as far as you know BMW. We know what it is. It's going to be fun. It's going to be road trip, convertible. We know BMWs. This is my top choice. You could look at the 4 Series convertible. It's a bit larger, but I think it's going to be tough for one of the newer ones to work for $20,000. I, I wondered that as well. I have the four series on my on my list as well. The two series and four series for the same reasons you have. Keep going. Those are up there. But you could go back. Again, BMW, but the E93 3 Series or even an M3. Oh, sure. Yeah. They'll be tougher to find, but they have a folding hardtop. They're good hardtop convertibles with that cool V8. And and you're going to feel like you got a bargain on the on the gas mileage. Yeah. Yes, because of that. That's funny. I do price. like that. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. a sale on gas prices. But back to that sentence... Earlier in your email, you said, we'll get a more practical second car later on. Mm. How much later and how much more practical? (laughs) You're going to buy a panel van a month in, so let's go crazy now. Yeah. Well, you're moving. You're going to be enamored with the coast, and you're going to be wanting to get out every weekend and take this new car. And plus, you're asking... What cars do we not have in Europe that you guys have in the States that are a different experience? I acknowledge, I defer to well-designed objects, and that's what I love in my life. Mm-hmm. Cars are just big, expensive products. Yeah. I love what Mazda does. You guys have said them all. The the curation of shut lines and the, yeah. the flow yeah. of lines, everything is so well done. Not everybody can be in a BMW or a Porsche. So, yeah, Hyundai and Kia and Mazda, they're fantastic. But since you are moving to California, since you, and you are, are going very similar US, places, I bet. Keep going. What about kind of just throwing a little caution to the wind and going somewhere completely different mm-hmm. that you never expected? I've got a Mustang GT convertible on my list. Good. I'm going to stop talking about four passenger convertibles and mention Porsche Boxsters and 911s have to be mentioned here. Mm-hmm. I guess that is a four passenger, but still. What about a Corvette? See, I want I want Corvette for them too. What about a Corvette? I, I, but it, yeah, pull on two seats. But that's what I want for them too. American V eight experience. They're great yeah. on road trips. You're gonna, you guys are going to want to get out. Yeah, and go. Yeah. You're going to want to drive down PCH. You're going to drive up PCH to yeah, San Francisco for sure. You're going to want to maybe do some fun canyon stuff with it. But they're good for long distance. The GT car thing too. I'm just wondering C six C seven. 
Let's push your budget because you said you're getting practical later. <laughs> Caution to the wind, my friends. Yeah. Well, get a Corvette. I, I, I kind of wanted to go there too, right? and I really do want to support you on American that. V8 for sure. Boom, Tom, Tom and Jenny. <laughs> exactly, Michael Bay movie. Exactly, the explosions coming down the drive. Yes. Embrace it, America. Tom, uh, Jenny. Here's the thing. I. I don't know how long you're going to have this first car. I also don't know how long you're going to be in L.A. Right. Because I also want to free you up, and Paul mentioned this before. Whatever you get is this first kind of do-it-all that's also convertible. You could get rid of in six months. For what sure. if you have it, and in six months you're going to buy whatever the more practical car is. You buy that more practical car, and then an even more fun car. Yeah. Then you get a two-seater. But So what I, I do want to kind of land you in the uniquely American experience, and the thing you haven't had is a big American V8. <laughs> and while no part of me thinks, I, I, I hate to say this, but it is sadly true. No part of me thinks the two of you are going to sit in a Camaro or a Mustang and think, look at how well put together this interior is. You're no. not going to. You're going to have to put that aside, guys. It doesn't feel like German standards. It doesn't. Yeah. yeah. But there is something genuinely intoxicating and unique about a Camaro and a Mustang. I think you need to drive them both and I think a convertible version of one of those should be the car you get when you come to the U.S. Even if you have it six months, I think it should be a Camaro or a Mustang because it gets you four seats. You, Tom, you're a big guy. Plenty of space. Yeah. We build them yeah. for big people over here. And, <laughs> and, and the thing is, here's the other thing that, that is surprising to a lot of people that have only driven in Europe. Our back roads are cruiser roads to most of Europe. I think yeah. of a road like Decker Canyon off of PCH. That one feels like a European road. True. Super tight. True. Super narrow, super tight, hairpin corners, blind stuff. Okay. Yeah. That's much more common for B roads in Europe. Our stuff typically is faster speeds and good sight lines. And so something like a Camaro that is bigger and might feel enormous on a European road doesn't on mm-hmm. the canyons of L.A. It yeah. just feels great. And then you get – it opens up a big sight line. You're like, I've got a V8 now. <laughs> V8. Seriously, I'm going to burn some of that cheap gas. Yes. I, I think this is a uniquely American experience in a uniquely American part of the world that you can just put the top down and enjoy it. And if in six months you're just like, I can't handle this interior anymore, I think you're going to still be thrilled you had that experience. Watch Tom – Helmanzik, who used to work with us, yeah. drive a Mustang GT for the first time in Germany. That's on our YouTube channel. Yeah. You'll get a sense of what I'm talking about. Now, Tom is a guy that is a little bit of an Americanophile anyway. He just he sure. just likes this country a lot. But he hadn't been in a Mustang, and he finally got in a GT in Germany. And he's reveling in the difference of the experience. And he's fully aware of the shortcomings. He mentions them. But he's just enjoying the difference. So I'm going to stay Mustang Camaro at least for the first six months. And then I'm going to throw you a curveball. Okay. Later on, a car you should seriously consider is an Alpha 4C Spider. That's great for California. It's great for California. Yeah. As a, as a person that's not going to push it to the limit or go to the track, Alpha 4C Spider. If you get stuck in the world's worst traffic in L.A., the A.C. will work, the seats are comfortable, and it's automatic. But if you have a canyon road or an opportunity to go up Highway 1 with the top off, you and Jenny are going to be ecstatic about being in an Alpha 4C Spider. And by the way, in regards to Tom's video, yes, we are aware that basketball was invented by a Canadian, James Naismith. <laughs> But he was in the U.S. But you could say it anyway. That My is dad went to KU. Comments. He yeah. went to KU, so the basketball epicenter of the universe. It's either Duke or KU, pretty much. <laughs> and he went there, and he's like, yes, we know. Anyway, so Tom is aware of that as well. Tom and Jenny, for buying, forums are your friend. 
Okay. Really dive into some forms, whatever you guys land upon. We like to do pre-purchase inspections, even though we joke about the cars that we haven't. Those are usually our cheap sports car. And I'll just car buy it. It'll be fine. Yeah. It'll be fine. What could possibly go wrong? YouTube content. Anyway. <laughs> so buy a reputable mechanic or a dealership. But if you're buying something outside your city, that's where forums are your friend. Mm. Hey, we're new. People will love to help people, mm-hmm. especially yeah, yeah. on forums. And you're all into the same car. Yeah, fair point. Usually a private sale is better, as you know, especially used, because generally speaking, you'll have a book of records about the car. And here, prices are negotiable. Many enthusiast car owners want to know that their car is going to a good home. Mm-hmm. They don't just want to sell it. They're still invested in it, even yeah. after it leaves. Yeah, who's it going to is a big thing. Now, a recommendation that you could take advantage of here is to meet somewhere in town like a Starbucks parking lot or a big box store here like Home Depot or Lowe's as your starting point to inspect the car, do a test drive. Mm -hmm. When it comes to insurance, we want everybody, of course, to be insured with Haggerty, but sometimes they don't cover various cars and mileage limits can be lower. Mm -hmm. So we'll send you a list of good insurance companies to consider here. And then as far as payment, most people will accept a cashier's check. Some people insist on a wire transfer. Mm -hmm. I would get set up with a local bank here in the U.S. and have your money or your financing ready to go, ready to to go out probably helpful before you even start shopping get the get the money settled and ready to go first and like i said get a bank account get that ready to go and then once all that is done you've got your car plan a trip south on pacific coast highway pch it's highway one from long beach down to del mar one of my favorite beach towns that's great I'm going to recommend that you celebrate your arrival in the U.S. with maybe staying at the toy, the lodge at Torrey Pines, something like wow, that. Wow, look at you. You've got a whole itinerary planned. Well I done. do. Okay. The Hilton is next door if you don't want to throw down for the for the lodge at Torrey Pines because that's the really expensive one, <laughs> okay. but why not? And then go to Stratford Court Cafe up in Del Mar for wow. breakfast sometime. And then you're going to want to go to La Jolla and wind your way down through to San Diego. So you've got loads of time, of course, Luke. Newport Beach, Laguna Beach, they're just fun to drive through. So enjoy yourself. And uh, guys, welcome. We're really thrilled. And keep us posted. Please let us know what you do end up getting because uh, I think everybody's going to want to know too. Our friends at Griot's Garage have got a new line of ceramic products to make your car care easier and more satisfying than ever. Start with the new Ceramic Wash and Coat, an ultra-slick formula that can be used with either the bucket wash method, which I like, or a foaming sprayer, which I also like, or a cannon, which I also like. We actually take Griot's Speed Shine with us on every single shoot. It's the ultimate for quick detailing, and it now has ceramic protection as well. Ceramic Speed Shine maintains a slippery gloss finish in between your main washing and protection days. And they even have ceramic trim wipes for long-lasting protection on plastic trim. Try any of these products or use them as your new wash routine. They are 100% guaranteed, and all their liquid products are made in the USA. Don't forget to use the code EDRIVER when you order at griotsgarage.com. Our audience gets 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Matt is writing to us from Florida, and I think the fact that Matt's in Florida is a big factor here. Okay. Because he throws us both a curveball with a kit car that we weren't aware of, but it is based in Florida. Indeed. Matt writes to us. Comes from a GM family. Yeah. He's thinking about a fun weekend and maybe occasional track day car, manual V8, and coming from a GM family, he's narrowed it down to Corvettes, a C7 Z51 or Grand Sport Corvette with a manual transmission. All right. Thanks for writing in. There, you're done. We're thanks, done. Matt. Good, excellent car. Well done. Good job. <laughs> well, he brings up this kit car manufacturer that 
like I said, I don't think either of us were aware of this. Nope. It is called the DDR GT8 by Diego Grullon. Grullon? Mm-hmm. Diego Grullon, yes. Mm-hmm. It is a McLaren F1-inspired kit car with a tubular chassis and fiberglass or carbon fiber composite panels. It starts at $18,000. It could go up to $26,000 for carbon fiber. It is DDRMotorsport.com, and they've got actually a couple different variants Lots of, of versions this. of the same. You can essentially do it with different donor cars. Yes. Yeah. So apparently DDR makes a few different kits, he says, depending on the engine, depending on what the donor car is based on. The conundrum is he would enjoy building a mid-engine kit car with his dad because it's something they've always wanted to bond together on, and he's his inspiration for the car disease. They've built engines together, and his dad is a master toolmaker who used, used to teach machinists. That's cool. He says there is nothing we can't fab together with a milling machine and a lathe. You, that is a whole world I will never be into, so I am applauding you. That, that just makes you want to build something. I get it, yeah. Well... Matt's always wanted a C7 Corvette, which is great, but he's drawn to the unique cars, particularly this DDR GT8. The GT8 is less practical. It doesn't have functioning windows. It's got gullwing doors, like, you know, the kit car thing. Mm-hmm. It can have AC, and I poked around on the website, and apparently the AC works really well, Okay, especially for Florida. It's a must. It likely wouldn't have any of the safety features that the vet, of course, does have. ABS, crumple zones, airbags. Yeah. But here's the deal. The DDR would take about six to 18 months to build as time allows every other weekend or so. He wants to aim to stay in the $40,000 to $50,000 budget, and either choice would be in that range based on the parts car you know, and, and the various parts to, uh, to build the GT8. And later on, he could mod up the engine and suspension and other parts. He could as go he nuts. That, this is the thing about a kit car is I don't feel like they're ever really done being refined. And you can refine them oh, into yeah, monsters, yeah. by the way. I'm not taking anything away from the fact they can be monsters. But since you know the whole thing backwards and forwards, you go, you know what we should do? That, that, that list never ends. <laughs> it's like building a house. Mm, I just thought of a feature we should add. Yes. Scope creep. Uh-huh. Now, <laughs> in that vein, he's considering an air ride adjustable suspension and a dynamic suspension controller. So it's got active, active suspension. Sure. The price just went up. You know what we could do? Ow. I'm going to stay there, yeah. <laughs> so Matt is essentially asking what we think. Would the DDR GT8 be an interesting car to drive and own, or should he stay mainstream and go with a vet since he's always wanted a Corvette? Wow. I I like this car, actually. I've looked at it closely. There's a few proportional things that I would change on it. <laughs> I looked at it was like, Paul's going to have design thoughts. <laughs> anyway. However, as a... An idea and the donor car and the kit car. The the base one, the GT4, uses the Toyota MR2 Spider. Yes. So you could go that route. Or you can use, you know, you can go up from there up to the GT8. Consider the timeline, as you said, six to 18 months. Can you guys commit to it? Mm-hmm. I would say draw up a schedule because I'm leaning towards this car. Are you really? Okay. I All am. Right. And like, I was, like we said, scope creep. Extra features and the customizations you would do, you're not going to get paid for your time or your money back. So speaking clinically, what is the market for selling a car like this? Mm, interesting. Okay. Taking the emotion out of it, what could you get for it if you needed to sell it? I don't know. I'm asking you, Matt. Yeah. You're yeah. going to put fifty grand at least into this car, not to mention the uh, active suspension that you want. You might might sell it for half. You and it's might. a kit car, and people look at it and think, cool, but it doesn't have yeah. the cachet of a brand. Harder to register. All of these things are, are realities, yeah. Now, I get that people with project cars just love wrenching and they don't care. But 
I want you to think beyond the build. Once it's done, many customization shops, look, they're building for customers. They're not building for themselves. They're getting paid. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine is Michael. He's the 1967 Pontiac GTO guy. Oh, yes, Michael. He wants his growing family to be able to road trip in this rebuild. He's had it since he was 15. Okay. It's been in all kinds of different yeah, yeah. combinations. Didn't he, he drag it, it at one point, too? He had it set up for drag racing. Okay, yeah. I mean, he grew up in uh, Ventura area and would go out in the fields. And, I mean, they had spotters. They would go drag racing with, his, it, yeah. with their cars. He's had it set up. He said he's had it with nitrous and He's blown engines. He's driven it at 160 miles an hour. He, it's currently in another build configuration. He's trying to <laughs> decide, does he want it naturally what aspirated? Now? Or, yeah, okay. you know, is he setting it up for, you know, wow. eventual wow, boost? Wow. So he's really looking at just, you know, what's my clearance for the rings? That's really all he's considering right now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Get this. He's also looking at a late 50s Pontiac Catalina wagon, a car that all of us would be like, that's a heap of crap that I need to get out of my yard. Yeah. But they're $8,000 uh-huh. running. Uh-huh. And he wants to do the Icon 4x4 derelict build oh, kind see, of thing where go. it's yeah, got yeah. the junkie outside. And he wants his wife and growing family to be in this car. It's a huge wagon. Yeah. And they would drive this thing. It'd have you know, upgraded engine brakes, sure, everything, sure, running sure. gear. And, it, and she could take everybody at the light, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what he wants. But that's his thing. And he's mm-hmm. not looking to get anything more. So mm-hmm. maybe that's the case. But where will you drive this GT8, Matt? A track day? As you mentioned, will it be a road trip car? I don't think so. But it's got to be something more than just your goal of showing it off at your local cars and coffee when it's done. Mm-hmm. You've got to plan something for it. That's what Michael's doing. He's planning for the GTO to be... Mm, sure. He wants sure. to take it to Montana on a road trip comfortably. Okay. He's added fuel injection. I mean, cruise yeah. control. He likes those things. Those just things... Make it nice to drive. Yeah, okay. And this Catalina wagon for his wife. It's got to be comfortable. You know, upgrade the suspension, all this stuff, but it's the old-looking car with modern driving characteristics. That's what he wants. Instead of buying her a Suburban, yeah, he wants okay. a Catalina wagon for it. That's funny. It's so I like different it because it's oddball, yeah. Conversation. So what are you going to do with that GT8 once you figure that out and you've got the goal to work towards? Because I don't want you to get done with the build and then look at each other and be like, ugh. You don't have anything to do anymore. Now what? Yeah, because that's a point. Todd and I would rather be driving. I respect the build. Absolutely, it's yes. enjoyable. Yes, yes. We want that's that's our starting place. I think. Yeah, for sure. So once it's done, is sweet. Oh now, oh now, oh now, you need me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've got that plan in mind with the future, what can you do with that car? Mm. And again, just speaking coldly, unemotionally, could you sell it? What would you sell it for? Yeah, that will yeah. give you. For the sole reason that you can always go buy a Corvette, you will always be able to go sure. get a C7 Absolutely. Corvette. Absolutely, yes. yes. So if the project proves, proves unsuccessful for whatever reason, you can always get a Corvette. Yeah, and now you're unloading parts of something, but I do take that point. You're True. right. I see that. I, Matt, unsurprisingly, Paul and I are kind of aligned here, but we've got little different nuances. First off, if you've got a C7 in your price point, if you could do a Z06 Okay, let's just say a C7 Z06 real quick, okay? They are around 50 grand. That car is going to work every time you want to cruise around in Florida. It's just going to work. True. The air conditioner is going to work. It's going to look nice. It's going to just, yes, this runs. Oh, look, there's a cup holder. Hey, the air conditioning's nice. Oh, the cruise control's working again. Oh, this infotainment's excellent. Lots of space to go on a road trip. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And then if you wanted to go to a track, the C7 Z06 would challenge everyone. <laughs> okay? True. So that is the much better use of your money to drive it. However, that's not where the story starts. The story starts where you and your dad want to build something. Yeah. So back to where Paul is. What happens after the build? Is it is it just about the build? And it's okay if it is, but if it's just about the build, okay, then then now you do have to think about unloading the car at the end because I, I don't think short of track use, I don't think you're going to like a kit car as much as you are if you just bought that C7. Hmm. Hmm. I think you're going to be proud that you guys did it. You're going to love that you're Definitely. done. This is really cool. Have you seen We did this little feature here, by the way, and then you're going to drive it around. It's probably not going to like driving it that much because they're just not as refined for city normal driving. Now, we drove that recent Factory 5 Daytona. We drove it yes. on the perfect road, Pacific Coast Highway. It was so loud I had to wear earplugs. Yeah. It was one of, genuinely, one of the most fun driving experiences I've ever had, and we've done a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I only liked it because of that perfect situation. Because mm. we were on Pacific Coast Highway with very little traffic. I didn't have to talk to a passenger. I didn't even have a passenger. If <laughs> yeah. my wife, uh, candidly, if my wife had been there, I would have hated the experience because she would have hated the experience. She would have been like, why are we out of this yet? Which makes you not enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah. It's loud. It's vibrating. You're going to kill us all. These would have been the conversations. And I love my wife, and she trusts me, but still, that's how that would have gone. Yeah. I was by myself with my buddies shooting a great car on an empty, fantastic road. I had earplugs in. I got to talk to camera. And after being in it for two days, I was done with it. Mm. It was mm. great. It was great for that. It was intolerable beyond that. So I'm, yeah, I'm concerned about the yeah. kit car. And I'm going to say to you, look, the Factory 5818 is also spectacular, and there's lots of parts. It's easy to do. That Daytona Coupe, if you like it at all, when you get done with those, the one we were in, it felt like a lighter, even more refined vet to drive, to push hard. But air conditioning, comfort, none of that existed. <laughs> but it felt like no. a lightened Corvette. Yeah, but like a lightweight dialed-in Corvette from a dynamics perspective. It was awesome. So yeah. I'm concerned about what happens post-build. So that led me exactly where you went, Paul, hmm. with some variation. And that is, think about resto mods for you and your dad. Okay. What's a car that you both are intrigued by that you can make yours, fully yours? It might be the derelict thing. I thought of like uh, your 912 idea, Paul. Take a Porsche 912, which are cheap for not for old 911. I love it, and put a different engine in it. Not my idea, though. I, I, I just I've embraced that. Put put, the, all about put the the base 718 turbo engine in it right now. That's a two liter engine. Super okay? cool. Put that engine in it. Can I come drive it? If you guys do that, Matt, I want to come drive it. But then but then you get to go through and you get to be meticulous and be like, I would like this switch to work like this. I would like this to do that. They said but, they can make anything. But ultimately, what you're doing there is you're now making something that people think they know what it is into something they don't know what it is at all. They're making it, you're making it yours. But behind the scenes, you're using the parts from a manufacturer that theoretically should be working with that car. I also thought of, what about a 944 with modern components? Those are so cheap to buy. But the parts are all out there. Sure, sure. And a 944 Porsche. I thought about Lotus Elise with an engine swap. Lots of people to put Honda S2000 motors in those. And after the fact, they run. 
Honda S2000 motors with uh, S2000 six-speed gearboxes, that's pretty cool. And they can still have air conditioning and this kind of stuff. You could do the classic V8 Miata. Yeah. You could do an LS motor in an 86 chassis. Yikes. Modern components. Yikes. That would be modern inside. <laughs> Solving my 86 problem once and for yes. all. LS swap. You the like the Corvette. Let me take you over here, sir, to an 86 <laughs> with an LS in the front. I oh, think yikes. there's an opportunity here for a resto mod project that you guys can enjoy as much as a kit car, but will theoretically wind up with a car that is more streetable when you're done. I don't have an answer, Matt. I don't have a problem with the GT8. But my question is your question, Paul, and that is you wipe your hands you high-five your dad, you give him a hug, you say, we're done. Now what? When your car needs new brakes, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with PowerStop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance from something you already need. PowerStop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in every situation from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are all bolt-on, direct-fit parts for better braking, no modifications required. Every PowerStop Complete Brake Kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes, including pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you need brakes or you simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. We even found great kits for our SUVs and our cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. Along those same lines, we've got a question from Harvey M. Harvey's heard about, about the 356 being a great experience for just a leisurely, oh, relaxed yeah. mm-hmm. drive. Not because it's fast or the greatest handling car ever, but analog and connected even at a casual pace. Yes, you have to do casual all the time it's, at 356. It's casual. It's fun. Just casual. But it's casual. But he says, among modern, more reliable cars, what are the options for such an experience? If you're looking for the 356 and referencing what we were just talking about with the Daytona PCH drive, we had from Monterey Touring Vehicles a vintage Speedster. Mm-hmm. Great place to start. They're 30 to 40 grand. Now, you can go up from there. Yeah. Real ones are blindingly expensive. You can have a house or a real 356. Seriously, it's insane. But I, I would say start there and... I hate to say it, poking around on various auction sites, you can sometimes come across some genuine bargains. It's few and far between these days. But the <laughs> the beat up, the you know, people are instantly attracted to it and then they find out, oh, it's an automatic or oh, it's you know, not quite pristine or whatever, mm-hmm. that'll keep the price down, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. So I like that. But uh yeah, you you're gonna have to be casual all the time, but I highly recommend it. I love that three. But there are also options. I think you could go. Uh, you could go nine twelves, a little bit newer than three fifty sixes. Get a nine twelve Porsche. It's come up twice in this podcast. All of a sudden, talk about Porsche nine twelves. That would work for this. MGs are newer than the three fifty six, and they have that feel. Super analog. MGs. Yeah. We don't talk about MGs. We don't talk about much. MGs, but but MGs. I know a lot of people that have them. Love them. They are one of the guys that I know loves it the most is six eight. He's the only yeah. person where I got in his sports car, I moved the seat up. It's like, how did this happen? In a tiny little what car. What on earth? So the, the MG, and, and they, they were around for a while, okay? So they have that. I'll go another one. If you're a guy that likes to wrench, remember the Alpha Spider before oh, it gosh. went away? Before it went away. Oh. If you like to wrench, you could go there. Yikes. The original NA Miata. 
This is why it's such a success. Yeah. The first gen Miata, so 89, just for the first few years there, it is everything we're talking about with the 356. But guess what? It runs and it's not worth a fortune. Yeah, yeah. So those are the ones that, that strike me right away. Uh, obviously, the older you stay, the more analog stuff stays. You could get up into the early 90s, things like uh, again, the Nissan 240s, if they're not alternative to drift cars. Those are good. They're probably all just zip-tied together as drift cars now, Pretty but much. those are good if they still run. So you can stay in that, in that early 90s era was still really good for analog feeling but still working. But at that point, let's be honest, the Miata just shines. Damn it, Patton says, would we ever consider doing a retro return review? Mm. He stumbled across our Mazda Speed Miata piece on YouTube. Taking us back. Holy cow. Yeah, for sure. Years. Given the direction of enthusiast cars becoming heavier and number and usually overpowered, he'd be curious to see our thoughts on them given the passage of time. I like the idea, and I'm totally open to it. I I would hate for a review to just come away being too similar, though, and similar commentary mm. thinking... Mm. You know, the things we liked about it then, we still like about it. And the things we hated then, we still hate. Yeah. You know, I, I'm open to it, though. We, we've changed a bit as reviewers over time. It would be interesting sure, to go back have. to some of the old stuff. Damn has written in. <laughs> I like this. this. He said, I want to teach my girlfriend how to drive manual transmission, but I have a Lotus Elise, and I don't think it's a good idea to teach her on that car. Next sentence from him is, I already made her cry the first time she rode in my car. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, let's not teach her in that. The Elise is a lot. I've mentioned this before. My, my wife mentioned it recently. My wife was uh, mostly turned off the car in her first track experience because that was her first track experience was also yeah. in the Lotus. And she likes the car. That's the crazy thing. And she f- perfectly well drives manual. doesn't have any issues. So mm-hmm. I, what you need is a um, inconsequential hatchback. Honda Civics are great. Golfs are great. Heck, GTIs are good. You need a, a hatchback. It's, it's not the least bit terrifying. It's just a hatchback. Yeah. Find a buddy with a manual hatchback and teach her on that. Maybe have your buddy teach her. I think that might go better, just so you know. Yeah, probably but, so. but the thing about generally those hatchbacks is they are most of the time designed for the manual transmission to be comfortable in traffic. Okay. It's yeah. not going to have a, yeah. a difficult clutch, clutch take up. It kind of wants to run. It kind of It kind of wants to work. Oh, good. You, you got off the line just fine. A lot of the sports cars are just like, bring it. Impress me. You know, <laughs> a little hatchback just wants to go. So that's what I think. I f- find yeah. a buddy with a front-wheel drive, middle-of-the-road hatchback in manual. Try to teach her there. It's a question from Atomic Gumby. Straight up, better everyday driver, the Mark 8 Golf R or the Civic Type R? Well, we haven't driven the Mark 8 yet. I haven't driven the Mark 8, but the Mark 7, if you're in traffic, has that DSG. Fair. But the Civic Type R has the suspension that makes it actually comfortable. It's it's amazing. I'm going Civic Type R for that yeah. reason. I'll be very curious about that market. I can't wait to drive it. Bob M. says, how do you get your wife into road trips? <laughs> this is a long one. This is a long one. It's good. It's good. He's listening to podcast episode number 129, and somebody was looking for an autocross track day road trip convertible and it reinforced Bob's decision to pick up his just barely still in warranty BMW M240i convertible, only 14,000 miles. That's a cool car. He loves it, and his wife even likes driving it. Steve Love it. Was That's so great. responsive, like his 91 base Miata. Like it. But here's the question. His wife hates road trips. She says, I like to drive, and she just likes to arrive. So mm-hmm. Bob likes to drive. Yeah. His wife just likes to arrive. What tips do we have for helping her see the joys of road trips? 
Wow. Well, you go on to give us a, a his road trip history, here. which is a lot of road trip history, and which they're and they're planning a monster road trip. The two of them, and he's simultaneously excited and terrified. Yeah, he says they want to go by Pikes Peak, the Pueblo Cliff Dwellings, wineries. They want to go to Durango, the Tetons, Yellowstone, million dollar That's highway. You have to all do that good. Again. Yeah, it's excellent. But Bob has spoken to her and wondering how they could make the road trip more enjoyable for her. You don't want to force anybody to do anything, of course. Yeah, and it seems like. Where you're going is what she likes the most, which is fine. That's why we fly, though. (laughs) I I wonder if you're going to go where I'm going to go here because I have a thought on this. Keep going. Well, he's wondering about shortening the driving days, not including stops, you know, so five to six hours tops, sharing the, the driving duties, and they're really actually planning on an upcoming road trip. Bob, I'm going to say don't take your car. Rent something really nice. I'm spending more of your money. Mm-hmm. But let her pick the car. What does she okay. think she would like to be in? Of course, food and drinks and you know the destinations are the most important thing. Where does she want to go? Mm-hmm. And it's it's less about the, you know, because I, I understand when you're just on a long, straight stretch of highway, it's pretty boring and you've yeah. listened to everything yeah. and you're just like, okay, now what? And your back's starting to hurt, all that kind of stuff. yeah. yeah. That's the bummer of it. But when you're in a place, as you've mentioned, that it gets really beautiful and you're noticing things, but there's many destinations. You told us she likes to arrive. Why don't you arrive at many places? (laughs) Honey, we're arriving six times today. Yes. There's lots of arriving. (laughs) I like it. That's good. And really focus on being in a different car. Because as much as I like your M240i convertible, I think you guys are going to be like, all right, I wish I were in a... Longer, heavier, more luxurious Who knows? something. Yeah. So let her pick the car. What mm. if she could pick the car? Would that change things for her? I okay. like all of that. I'm going to add to it. I like okay. all of that, though. The, that, the, yeah, I like your car a lot. I think it's a great car. I think you're planning a great trip. Shorten the days as much as you can. I think a long day is 200 miles. Mm. A long one. Mm-hmm. Think in those terms. I mean, I go out and I drive for fun for the heck of it. And I put 100 miles in my car. I'm not normal. Okay, my <laughs> wife isn't doing that. Okay, sure. and she likes cars perfectly well. Sure. So plan a day that your days at two hundred miles is a long day, and you keep stopping and looking at stuff, or you come around a corner and you go, "That's pretty." We arrived, and because Again. and because it's only two hundred miles, you have to get today. That gives you this amazing freedom where you turn around a corner and you go, "Oh, that's unexpected." You can stop. Mm-hmm. You can just get out. So plan really short days with a lot of cool things to stop and see. That's the big thing. And then I'm going to give you two thoughts. They're a little controversial. Because you may not want to do this. Okay. First one is, the more expensive one is this. If you really want to take your car, ship your car there and you fly out to it. So you only do the good parts of the trip. You're spending their money too. I am. I've I've got an alternative. But but you, our friend Nate, who does the cycle report, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he does this with motorcycles. True. He and his family, they will ship a bike to to the good roads. They're, They're in Chicago. Hi, Nate, by the way. He'll, they'll ship bikes to the roads they want to do. That's a great point. They'll hop on bikes. They'll drive all the roads they want to do. They'll put their bikes back in storage, get them picked up and shipped home. So you could do that with yeah. your car. Yeah. The alternative is the less expensive one, theoretically less expensive, is take out the parts she doesn't like, have her fly to the parts that are good. You drive. 
You like road trips. You talk about how much you love road trips. This is best of both worlds. You get in your car. You get a road trip for a day or two by yourself. However you want to drive that is fine. If you want to be a road warrior and you want to saw through it in a day, do it. If you want to take your time, if you want to find a weird back road and drive super fast that would scare her, whatever. Because she flies into a place like Durango and you pick her up at the airport. Hi, honey. And now you're doing just the parts she wants and then she flies home. I think she's listening right now and is probably in agreement to that. She's probably going, okay, let's plan a, let's plan a flight. We're doing this. <laughs> We're just here to spend your money in all kinds of creative ways. But that would be best of both worlds, That's though. really great, actually. I like the bike shipping idea. I, I had forgotten about that, Nate. And yes, what a great thing. Ship your vehicle to the good parts. Of course, it costs more. There's cost. Bradley Lee J. 1983 says, someone gives us an undesirable car. And his examples are a Ford EcoSport or a Nissan or fill-in-the-blank CVT or whatever. Says we have 12 hours to damage it beyond repair. How do we go about annihilating such a thing? Well, of course, (laughs) what we've always wanted to do is flaming off a cliff Viking burial, which could be done in about 10 minutes. I don't even need 12 hours. But if we're actually driving it to cause this kind of damage, it has to be dirt track demolition derby. That's probably the best way. That gets it done. And it would also be a riot. You put in enough protection that you can actually survive that madness and go do that. And I would cackle with laughter because why not? I like the idea of taking something into that that came in drivable and pristine. It it didn't come in a junkyard car spray painted. It came in like I got lost coming from Starbucks and now I'm doing this. But still, that or the Viking burial, maybe the two combined. That'd be my my, my dig. I'm I'm getting uh, the flashbacks from when James May had the Lotus Esprit up some dirt roads yeah. and he thrashed the you know amazing. what out of that thing. And so it ran. Maybe it's a Lotus Esprit up a Moab trail or well, something. Well, but let's, but let's kill a bad car. This is what we're doing. We're killing a bad car. Yeah. Well, then uh, what happens to it at the end? Nissan Murano convertible with a cage. Let's kill all of those. Nissan Murano convertible with a cage. Yes. You, do, you do demolition derby for a bit. Then you drive it off a cliff on fire. This is how we get rid of all the bad cars. We have yes. fun doing it. So yes. now it's a series. It's a, uh, it's, it's hey, it's, a race series or a demolition derby YouTube series. YouTube gold, buddy. I'm telling you. And we just pick the next one. We buy all 12 of those. <laughs> so everybody's in an equal car, equally spaced with specced with a real cage. Bash the you-know-what out of them. Walk away while they steam into piles. There's YouTube fun. Yeah, that, that's more fun than we wanted People it to be. People would watch that. Yeah, they would. It's terrifying, but they would. Always appreciate your questions. Keep writing to us, TV at gmail.com, with your topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, your, especially your car conclusions. Yeah, we love those. And definitely your debates. Really looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.